and we are back on another episode of the Silver Screen and Roll post game show. Although, you know, I mean, number one, we need to still work on having Anthony come up with a name for this because that is ostensibly his job. And number two, this is not really going to be one of the normal post game shows because uh, I am joined by Jacob Rude. This is Harrison Fagan. And that was not really a uh, game that I feel like we can take very much away from unless Jacob, I, I know you may have like pressing thoughts on Taylor Horton Tucker's 34 minutes played in uh, a, I think like 20 point loss to the Kings. But other than that, um, you know, that was, that was maybe the most meaningless NBA game I have ever watched because like even down the stretch of the Lakers last couple of years, there were like tanking scenarios on the line. Like that game truly meant absolutely nothing for either team. So you're telling me the shooting isn't fixed because we hit like 12 threes that game or 15 threes that game. It almost seemed like both teams came to a gentleman's agreement that they were just not going to guard three point shooters and just <laughs> let them get like kind of a workout in before the game. Like now given kind of probably the hard feelings between Luke and the Lakers, I bet I would imagine exist that probably didn't happen, but it seemed like there was like a kind of tacit agreement to just like that. No one was going to guard each other's open three point shooters. Yeah, shout out to Grant, who I saw in the first half tweet, Luke Walton finally got the Lakers to shoot well from three-point territory. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was... That is mean, but honestly accurate. Oh yeah, very. I mean, there were, I mean, it's nice to see Keith make some threes, but he's about the only one in the rotation, I guess Dion, but we always know that Dion's just really hot and cold, but... yeah. That would be about my only takeaway is that Keith hit some three-pointers and finally starts is starting to look like what we hoped he would be. Yeah, I think he started – I think if we're looking for actual takeaways from this game, we can respect this game enough to come up with, like, probably two. There's, you know, Keith <laughs> doing that and looking like he's maybe starting to get his legs under him a little bit after – you know, he missed all of training camp. And so everybody was mm -hmm. in my mentions, like, and in our comments, like, why isn't Keith playing more? What's wrong with him? Da, da, da. It's like he missed all of training camp. Like, after four months off, like, it's going to take him some time to get his legs under him. And I think we're starting to see that over, honestly, the last couple games, I think, where he's really starting to – to look like uh like just like he has NBA legs again and like the player that we kind of expected him to be so I think that's good news and then I think you know I joked about THT's 34 minutes but you know it was nice to see him go out there like I, I without having the box door in front of me I believe he shot decently uh, he was playing hard-ish on defense at least as hard as anyone on the Lakers was playing on defense he had a couple hustle plays in uh, the second half like to come up with seals and stuff like that you know I think he's showing that he deserves like, you know, at the very least, probably spot minutes to start the playoffs. And it, look, if he completely messes up in those, then you take him out and it's a quick hook on the rookie. But like, I think he's earned the opportunity to get like five to 10 minutes a game in the, in the first round. Yeah, I was going to say in the first round, Lakers uh, will be coming up against some, an eight seed that even if it is the Blazers, which is the flavor of the week, basically in the bubble. The um, best eight seed ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure there will be plenty of other discussion about the Blazers and that matchup um, if it comes to fruition. But even if it is them, yeah, I mean, it's he's come a long way even just in the – how long have they been in the bubble now? A couple weeks? Even yeah. in those couple weeks, he's come a really long way because um, 
I would have never envisioned him to even be getting spot minutes in the playoffs. He was horrible in the scrimmage games. Like, you know, he, sh- he, 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 had, he would have like one or two moments during those games where like, okay, that's why he looked promising in the G League. And the rest of it was just bad. Like, I mean, I think even he would admit that. It wasn't good. And like, but the, the player he's been when the games actually started to somewhat matter has been totally different. And it's, it's been cool to see. Like, you know, he's 19. It's exciting to watch one of these young guys like start to kind of discover their sea legs a little bit. We'd miss that for the two seasons that the Lakers weren't actively tanking. So it's nice to see a young player develop in front of our eyes again. Yeah, it turns out all it took was like some players to instill winning habits around them, um, you know, I guess. so. <laughs> Are you suggesting Nick Young did not instill winning ha- habits around Jordan Clarkson? This is a hot take, but I feel like Jordan Clarkson's career would be 20% better if Nick Young had not been his vet coming into the NBA. 20% is low. Lou Williams, I think, was on that team, too. Yes. Uh, which may... Like, look, both of those guys had nice NBA careers. I would say that they are probably not a repeatable strategy in most ways <laughs> for, like, how to have success and, you know, make it several years in the NBA. Lou Williams is, like, tutoring to him was, like, just float to the left and they'll call a foul every time. Like, <laughs> just jump and kind of fall to your left and they'll call a foul. And. Jordan Clarkson spent two weeks trying to do that and couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, I, I think, you know, segues uh, to the Lakers lottery years side. The Lakers are in the playoffs, and it is after it going three and five in the seeding round games that I think most of us would say were – you know, if not disappointing, at least pretty mediocre. Like, it's not like anybody watched these seeding games. It's like, oh, man, the playoffs. Here they are, baby. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to get really amped for them because we didn't see outside of the Clipper game, like, a whole lot of – and I guess, like, Anthony Davis dominating the Jazz. But, you know, like, like, there were moments where they looked okay. The game winner against the Nuggets was fun, even if it was against the Nuggets C team. But, like – this was not, and you know, I think it's probably not a coincidence that I mentioned their three wins in like the the three <laughs> things to be excited about. This was a very weird seeding round, and I, I just want let's let's get into some takeaways from that because I think that is by far the more kind of meaningful thing to discuss here as we head into the weekend. And you know, as we're recording this right now, the play in two the two teams in the play in round have not been decided. It's going to be some combination of the Blazers, Suns, Grizzlies, or Spurs, probably most likely, at least according to the odds, the uh Grizzlies and Blazers, just because they have to do the least to get in. Um, but you know, it'll be some co- it'll be one of those teams that the Lakers will be playing in the next round. I, I think and we'll pre- obviously preview that once that gets decided. But you know, Jacob just from these eight games, like, what was your, like, are you concerned at this point after watching the Lakers play these games? Um, I kind of, I don't even know if concerned was the word. Um, a lot of the things I, I basically could tell they existed, but it was basically about halfway through that Nuggets game where it seemed like they were really kind of taking things serious a bit and, um, started knocking down threes and I was like, all right, this team is just kind of coasting more than I'm concerned about anything. Um, so not really. Um, there's a few small things. It's a little odd that they never really even like attempted to get a playoff rotation going, um, which I, I, a lot of it was presumably to protect guys from getting hurt, which we've seen across the bubble injuries and whatnot. So um, maybe that was a reasoning and maybe they'll kind of use the first round as a ramp up into a playoff rotation. But 
I was maybe not concerned. I was maybe more surprised that they just really didn't even try to get a playoff rotation going in these eight games. Yeah, I think I think that was like like if we're hindsight being twenty twenty, and we're like looking back at what Frank Vogel said going in, like that was probably honestly predictable. Like I, I don't think any of us would have actually predicted it was going to happen. But like if you really think about it, he was saying that he wanted to get minutes for the young guys so that they would like he could see what they could give them if they needed them in spot minutes, you know, injuries, illness, whatever. Um, and like he said that he wanted to get a look at like a lot of these guys that hadn't gotten extended minutes, and like we saw that under somewhat weird circumstances in a few of these games like JaVale just basically getting DNP CD'd so that he could get a look at more of their small lineups and how those looked against the Rockets uh the answer was not good in that specific game (laughs) but uh, I think I think that probably had more to do with LeBron not playing than it did with the Lakers going small um you know they had today where Kuz sat out just so that he could get more run for Dudley and Markeith like there were just like there were just these scenarios where they would basically sit guys and say like all right well here's here's your audition game Quinn Cook or like here's your audition game Markeith Morris like that kind of thing and just see what those guys could give them and I think on one hand I can see the logic in it on the other hand I think you know I'm kind of with you in that it would have been nice to see them establish some consistency but at the same time you know, they didn't have a lot to play for. I can kind of see why they would want to play their cards close to the vest. And I think the one game where we did kind of see a playoff rotation was against the Clippers, where like, you know, and that was a game that they came out and won and essentially secured the number one seed, even if it wasn't like mathematically secured at that point, it was basically impossible for the Clippers to catch them. And so I think we saw them really go all out in the one game that really mattered to them. And then a lot of this stuff, like, you know, people are talking about the Lakers don't have shooters, the Lakers don't have any ball handlers. They're really going to miss Avery Bradley like you know I maybe this is the optimist in me but I just saw a team that just like you said was not locked in and did not really care that much about any of these games outside of kind of scattered moments the one game they cared about that Clippers game they won Um, yeah and outside of that yeah they pretty much just locked up the one seed and then we're like all right we're gonna coast our way into the into the playoffs I was looking at um at that Clippers game. I mean, yeah, they basically treated that as a playoff rotation. LeBron and AD only played 35 and 36 minutes. Um, Dion played 21 minutes. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in a lot of those closing lineups and playoff games, depending on who's shooting well and whatnot. Um, How many guys played that game out of curiosity since you have it pulled up? uh, The starting five plus Kuzma, Caruso, Dion, Dwight and then Jr. played eight minutes and Keith played three minutes. Okay, so that's um, like that's basically ten guys. It technically is eleven guys, but basically ten. Um, and like, I mean, hey, that that's what Frank Vogel says he wants his playoff rotations to be. He says he wants it to be about ten guys, and that's traditionally what he's done. So, you know, I, I think you know we saw we kind of saw it there, I guess. And like, I know that some of the stuff like shooting obviously is not just down to effort, but I think like the types of shots you're freeing up the crispness of it. I think how much you're even locked into the game can honestly affect that a little bit. Like if you're just kind of lackadaisical out there, which I think is a lot of what we saw during these games, like you may not shoot as well. Like not everything's not going to look as crisp. I think it's hard to just like turn that on like a flip of the switch a lot of the time. And like, you know, they also had some bad luck. Clearly they're not going to shoot. They aren't the best shooting team, but they aren't going to shoot as badly as they did for like the middle six games or whatever, or middle five games or whatever of this as they did in those games. Yeah. I think, 
I mean, as you said, it's not an effort thing, the physical shooting of the basketball, but everything preceding that is. And I think that was mainly what the Lakers' problem was. Um, and it was also weird. Every, every team in the bubble had a different approach to how they were handling these eight games. And the Lakers had a completely different approach than a lot of other teams because unlike basically every other team, save for the Bucks, they weren't fighting for any kind of playoff seating. Um, they didn't need to push themselves in these games. And so they didn't, um, save for maybe that Clipper game. And outside of that, they just kind of treated this. I mean, most of the games felt like uh, scrimmages, summer league games. I mean, today's game, that whole second ha half felt like a summer league game, basically. Um, I don't know how hard LeBron and AD were playing at times, pretty much for most of it, but um, I still saw enough. I, I mean, a lot of my – a lot of my uh, optimism is basically coming from the Clippers game and those few moments where they look locked in. I still think when this team actually does lock in that they're going to be fine. Um, but they were. it is a little, I guess, weird that they just didn't spend any time in these games getting locked in. But um, the, fortunately, they, they're going to be the one seed and they're going to play an eight seed that – um, they should be able to beat. So I guess that they're going to be treating that that playoff series as the time to start to get locked in. Yeah. So, all right. So I think it's clear from probably the, this part of the conversation that Jacob and I are kind of not that concerned about what we saw from the Lakers during this. But uh, after a really quick break, we are going to tell you why possibly you should panic. That was a solid tease, right? It was a solid tease, and I hope this is about Rondo. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, in some ways it kind of is, but not in maybe the way that you are referencing. <laughs> I think the Laker, the one reason that I think that there is to be a little concerned was that the vibe coming from this team was as weird as it's been all season. Like, no matter what they've been dealing with, no matter what has been going on, like, you know, there was the trip to China where there was a lot of, like, kind of drama and they were all locked up in the rooms and it was, you know, it was a scary, like, situation for them, I'm sure, uh, overseas. Like, you don't know, like, how, what what's going on. Practices are getting canceled. Like, look, we can all sit over here and say, it, it, oh, it, you know, nothing was going to happen to them. They're NBA players. So it was probably just a weird kind of unnerving situation to be in, to go over there for what's supposed to be like a basketball building trip and it turns into like a political controversy that at the very least was not what they were prepared for heading in and then you have you know like obviously on a much different note there was the you know Kobe Bryant's death like the team really like obviously that is a real life thing that is more serious than the basketball implications but what we saw how and how the team responded was that they rallied together they all kind of had each other's back they all supported each other and like that all of those are different situations than what they're encountering with now now in the bubble but you know there have been some weird kind of vibes I think coming out of this team and kind of in the subtext of what they've said in their media availability kind of what they've said publicly and all of that stuff it, it's just been strange like we have the whole LeBron thing that I honestly think probably too much was made of in terms of him talking about there were things going on off of the court uh, but you know we had Danny Green talk about like how you know guys were missing their families and it's just been strange to kind of like how tough the bubble has been on everyone and how it just feels like basically you're living at work 
work. Um, and, you know, a couple other guys, Frank has talked about how frustrated he's been with, or, he, you know, he hasn't in, in a typical, very Frank way, he has not necessarily complained. He has just, you know, kind of made it clear that he's not the happiest about the practice times in a very subtle kind of way in like, oh, you know, we would have practiced this day, but it was at night. So we didn't because I didn't want to do that to our guys type of thing. And mm -hmm. I think the circumstances and being away from their families for a veteran team, a lot of guys with kids, a lot of guys with wives and families, or, you know, in Danny Green's case, a fiance, like, you know, all of these guys, Kuz even has a long-term girlfriend now and his puppy and, you know, his mom. And I'm sure that lots of people that he's missing, a lot of these all these guys have people that they're missing at this point and that they've been away from and you know it's just been kind of strange like you know honestly the LeBron thing I took as him being frustrated with the practice times as well but I guess this is a long way of getting to like you know we don't know what's going on with the team but like were you concerned at all about that kind of stuff and do you think that that is potentially like, are, are we seeing this team fray at the edges a little bit? Or is this just something where, okay, they probably have to tough it out. But once the games start to mean a little bit more, it's going to be a little bit easier to lock in. Yeah, that second point was, was almost exactly what I was going to say. I, I kind of go back and forth on that LeBron comment. Because like on one hand, I do, ultimately, I probably feel like it's what you said, where it's some of this practice stuff and basically things out of his control, but he was so cryptic about it. And he like, he, he knows, likes doing that. Yeah. He knows the weight of his words. He, so. he likes letting you know that there's something, especially the media. He likes letting the media know that there are things that they don't know about. He, he likes to keep his secrets. Yeah. And it was just such an odd way to handle that basically that, it, yes. that I was just like, Maybe it's something else, but... And it came this... right before the JaVale DNPCD, which yeah. was, like, at the very least, strange timing. I don't know that there was a connection there. I'm not trying to imply that there necessarily was, but it was strange timing. Yeah, ultimately, it doesn't seem like there was, because JaVale's returned and played basically his normal minutes. But, yeah, at the time, I was thinking, well, this is a pretty odd coincidence. Yeah. So, so it, I, I don't entirely know what his comments were about, but... And I'm sure we probably never will know, but I do think that um, there was an adjustment period basically with this bubble. We saw it with lots of people. Um, and but they're one of the few teams still talking about it, which is a unique well, yeah. thing that like, I think was brought up and I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm blanking on who wrote about this this morning, like that, but they're, they're one of the few teams that is still referencing it like weeks in. And I, I don't know. It's just like, it gives me a little bit of pause when before just predicting like, okay, this team's going to completely get back to normal, like right away. Like, I, I mean, I think maybe we will see them struggle a little bit to start with, like until they really are able able to flip this mental switch and get going again yeah and I think there will be something to be said about locking in for the playoffs and and when those games start really mattering a lot of that other stuff is going to go out the window once they get on the court but I don't know that it ever and will when be six, when six teams leave you're going to have you know the practice time stuff like yeah. the routine stuff it's going to get a little bit more back to normal it still won't be normal because it's like you know 16 teams sharing three practice courts or whatever it is but like you know it'll be a little bit more normalized than it was with 22 teams doing the same thing yeah and within the next week and a half two weeks you're going to go from 22 teams in the bubble to eight or however 16 or however no eight it'll go 16 right. to eight like after yeah. the first round so yeah that's where i was getting at after the first round you're gonna go from yeah 22 teams down to eight and you get and, family at that point or some guys will if they decide to bring their family out 
yeah so i think at that point it'll probably start to get a little easier and whatnot but uh but yeah it's just been a really odd set of circumstances i don't know that i was ever concerned too much because this team's always had at least during the regular season had such like this positive vibe and like this closeness to it that i i figured eventually that would kind of override any other issues that they're having um it was certainly odd. And, like, and watching mean, the bench, it looks like the interaction – like, you know, not to go full Bill Simmons body language doctor, but, like, it's looked relatively normal in terms yeah. of their celebrations and stuff like that. Like, you know, I mean, again, like, this is whenever – we only get when the broadcast chooses to flash over there. So it's hard to make a judgment from remotely. But, you know, I think, you know, at the risk of reading too much into that, like, I do think that, you know, maybe there's a little something off, but I think that it's probably more easily chalked up to just the weird circumstances than it is, like, this team doesn't like each other. Yeah, exactly where I would get it. I don't think anything within the dynamics of the team has changed. It's just everything around the team and every team is different, and for whatever reason, the Lakers are still talking about it. You know, maybe LeBron's going to do, like, a documentary after this whole thing is over, and he's just going to be like, yeah, THT just wouldn't leave my room. The kid is, he's scared of the dark, and he kept, like, knocking on my door and asking to sleep in there because he said that his room was, he said his room was really scary. And, uh, you know, there were weird, goofy sounds in the night. And so, like, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe THT was just having nightmares, and he just needed to go sleep on LeBron's couch or something like that. Danny Green's tell-all podcast interview will be fascinating. After maybe the, uh, maybe LeBron's just tired of hiding from JaVale McGee's blog camera. He just like, he, <laughs> the, it is uh, funny how little he is on there. Like, I think JaVale even knows, like, look, like LeBron has his own content thing. I'm not going to bother him. Like, he, he's, <laughs> he's in a couple frames, but, you know, JaVale definitely understands, like, that LeBron does not necessarily need more cameras on him. But, you know getting away from the body language doctor and the team, you know, uh, chemistry, do- like, let's get to the team chemistry doctor. And that is Rajon Rondo, who's returning cool. to the bubble. And like, look, you know, again, I'm, I'm now a hypocrite because I'm saying I don't want to make too much of LeBron's comments. And then we're like doing exactly that for like the next 15 minutes. But like, I, I think maybe there's something to the idea that the team missed Rondo from a unification and like locker room perspective, because look, whatever you think of him as a player on the court, he is very clearly a guy who is respected by everyone in that locker room, who is close with basically everyone in that locker room, who takes the young guys under his wing, who relates to the veterans really well. He has been a bridge on like, this is going like back years now to various different teams between the veterans and the young guys. Like he is, whatever you think of him as a player, a unifying presence, And I do think, I know that, like, you know, every time I tweet about Rondo getting closer to a return, my (laughs) mentions are just a tire fire of just, like, make him an assistant coach, block him from the bubble. Like, if Frank plays (laughs) him, they should fire him. Like, all that stuff. But I think Rondo getting back into the bubble is a good thing for the Lakers from the perspective of here's another guy that can kind of make things seem normal again, even from the bench. If, you know, if things are getting weird, like this is a guy that can, you know, he's not afraid to talk to LeBron, to talk to AD or to mentor the young guys, you know, when all this stuff is going on. And so I do think that Rondo, he's by the time this podcast drops, like he's getting back into the bubble on Thursday night. He has to quarantine for four days. He's going to continue serving as an honorary assistant coach for the Lakers until he returns to the court. But I don't know, like, is this, do you buy into that? Like, do you think that Rondo coming back can help this team a little bit? I mean, I literally, I jotted down some notes before we started 
and one of them says, did we actually need Rondo? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a valid question at this point. Like, with how weird this whole thing has gone with him. It's like, basically, as soon as he left the bubble, you know, they had a couple preseason games after that because it was the first practice. But how much can you really take from those? And, you know, they still locked in for the Clippers to their credit. But maybe there is something to be said about Rondo holding everybody accountable game to game. Everyone yeah, but and- himself for their play, apparently. <laughs> uh, and it was something Christian asked me last week on our podcast if I thought Rondo would help fix any of the issues they had. And my immediate response is no, but I was mainly just thinking at it from an on-court perspective. Um, And there is something to be said about having another leader type figure inside the bubble. Um, And like you said, a guy that'll hold guys accountable. Um, He's not afraid to speak up to a LeBron or an Anthony Davis. Not that they necessarily needed it, but it's nice to have that type of player out there still. You know, LeBron um, may have needed it when he was cryptically teasing that there were chemistry <laughs> issues with no further context. He may have needed Rondo there to uh, either talk him out of that one or talk to him after that one. Yeah, but it's it's going to be interesting as well to, to see how he is integrated back into the team. Because um, I don't really – man. I mean, J.R. Smith played a lot more in this bubble than I thought he would. And maybe a, a – bunch of his minutes will go to Rondo but like I think Dion's been so good in this bubble that you can't not play him big minutes and Dion and Rondo I do not think is a workable backcourt no no not at all and so and Rondo or excuse me Caruso and Waiters have been a really good um last week when I looked I haven't looked they've had like the best net rating of any two-man duo on the team during the bubble right like I I think that I think them and Kuz was also like uh like among three-man lineups really highly ranked the last that I looked yeah so among two-man lineups um that have played at least 10 minutes together they're third it's and honestly it's LeBron and Dudley Dudley and Kuzma and then Dion and Caruso is Dudley the key to the Lakers' success? <laughs> I think I think maybe that's the question we need to be asking now. And having watched him for just the second half of today, no, he is not. <laughs> I was gonna see uh, where he where Dion ranked in some three man lineups, but I mean, I did not remotely expect this from him um, inside the bubble. Um, LeBron, Dion, and. Uh, Oh, they've only played four minutes. So you're looking at, yeah, Dion Caruso Kuzma is plus 40.1 in net rating and 54 minutes together inside the bubble. Like, that's good. That's probably not sustainable, but that's good. No, no, that is very good. A 124.6 offensive rating. The 84.5 defensive rating is not. And a lot of those minutes are probably coming without LeBron, given that it's those three. Like, I think that a lot of them probably did come with AD, but a lot of them probably came without LeBron, which finding good LeBron or non-LeBron combos is like that. That's valuable for this team. And we saw that, you know, non-LeBron combos with Rondo taking a spot this year were not particularly effective in most cases. Yeah, and that's what was interesting is that, um, as you said, a lot of them came without LeBron. The most used lineup with uh, with those three had AD and KCP in it. Um, the top two most common lineups were without LeBron. Three of the top four were. So, yeah, Dion's been kind of the bridge that the Lakers have been searching for for those no- non-LeBron minutes. Yeah. Um, and I had – 
the off-court net rating, which it's hard to say with – I mean, it's negative six with LeBron off the court. There's but, also so much statistical wonkiness in these yeah. games, like because of the weird lineups. They, but like, it's hard to take for like, especially single man, like net rating, I think is almost worthless for the bubble at this point because of how weird the lineups they've played have been. So you're suggesting Jared Dudley's plus 23.1 net rating isn't sustainable? I yeah, mean, I'm going to say that's what probably. What I'm seeing here yeah. is that Dudley is the key. <laughs> they're going to why they're going to say if Frank did his lineups exclusively on net rating this year that would be quite something to watch like just uh just single man net rating like well it's clearly the the starters are Dudley Caruso uh like you know I don't know like Quinn Cook like mm-hmm. yeah well just, if you're doing the five man lineup for the bubble it's Caruso Dion Kuzma Dudley and Dwight which is definitely winning you a title yeah, I mean, I think I think you you heard it here first uh, via NBA.com stats. Um, <laughs> I, I think, but anyway, in all seriousness, like I, I do think that there is like Rondo. I don't know. It's going to be tough when he gets back because and he's actually able to play, which may still be a bit like as of right now. We are nearly five weeks since he hurt himself, and his original timeline was six to eight weeks. And again, like that's that may not be from the injury. That might be from the surgery. You know, that happened a couple of days later. Like so, there's a little bit of kind of wiggle room here, and then obviously there's about two weeks of gap in between. You know, that range of the original timeline. But like you know, when he gets back whenever that is, whether it's first round, second round, conference finals, like, you know, I know he's been working out with Kurt Rambis in, uh, you know, I think that what we can say is the weirdest Lakers duo of all time. Uh, (laughs) Just like Kurt Rambis and Rondo in a random gym in Orlando somewhere just working out. Like, I I just imagine like Kurt just making Rondo run wind sprints uh, or something (laughs) like as as the Rocky music plays. Um, But Rondo has not been playing. And so he went from like four months off to hurting himself on the second day of training camp and as good of shape as he looked like he was in. And, you know, as much as I cannot disparage Kurt Rambis's level of, you know, workouts that he can put you through, we don't know what he's going to look like when he gets back. I think Frank's going to have a tough decision here because obviously as of right now, there are circumstances that paint a picture that Rondo is valuable to team chemistry. Does that continue if he's no longer hurt and he's not playing significant minutes? And if he does get back into the rotation, does that hurt the team on the floor? It's going to be, it's a, it's a weird needle to thread as things appear right now. Sorry. I blacked out after you said, started talking about a Rocky training montage and that's all that was picturing in my head was like, eye of the tiger with Caruso and Rondo, like, running in the snow or something and like well rondo literally did boxing matchup uh workouts too during the quarantine so maybe like kurt (laughs) rambis and him were just literally fist fighting getting ready for a second round matchup with chris paul like rondo is uh he's just waiting like there's a kurt rambis yells an activation word from you know his seat and whatever and rondo just goes like born identity on chris paul and you know ends the thunder series i just i didn't even think about the fact that he's probably going to come back in time to play the Thunder in round two now. If if they beat the Rockets. Oh well, yeah. Well, is which is yeah. a big if. E- even without even without Russell Westbrook, that's a big if. If James Harden is really good, uh, and like may be able to get them past the Thunder by himself. But yeah, now I'm completely changing everything about my thoughts on Rondo. If he's coming back for a playoff series against Chris Paul, like start him. I mean, at that point, if it's against Chris Paul, you have to use him just because for whatever reason, Rondo fueled by anger, like is one of the greatest players in it. Like anger Rondo is better than playoff Rondo, honestly. (laughs) 
Like, can we get anger Rondo in the playoffs? Uh, it's why I've been saying all year that Frank Vogel needs to like have, you, you remember those old subliminal messaging ads that LeBron used <laughs> yeah. to do? Frank yeah. Vogel needs to splice little headshots of Chris <laughs> Paul into all of their game film of opponents. And like, you know, slight little photoshops of him on Lillard's head, uh, something like that for the first round if Rondo's back. Like, you know, just get him into anger mode and ready to fight Chris Paul. And that's when he plays at his best. Now I'm just thinking about him like walking onto the court and it's like Patty Mills across from him and he'd just be like, I'm going to kill you tonight, Chris. It's like, like that scene just... from The Waterboy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what did you like... say about my mama? <laughs> yeah, I, this is, you're done tonight. You're, you're not scoring a single thing tonight, Chris. And like Patty Mills is just looking at him like, what in the world is this guy doing? <laughs> Rondo's just whispering stuff about Chris Paul under his breath when he's uh, like when he's guarding like you know I don't know like like CJ McCollum or something um yeah anyway I, I think you know that again Rondo is going to ultimately be a question for another day but I do think that his absence has made it kind of a, a more interesting question than the are the Lakers better with or without Rondo debate already was throughout the year um real quick before we wrap up like I, I do want to get into because you know let's fly blind into uh the Ooh. playoff matchup scenarios and whatever like which team we we don't know who they're going to play but which team scares you most out of the four are we in agreement like, uh, like are we in agreement on it i mean it's portland probably just because of dame oh i disagree i, I think it's the suns because uh the, like the bubble suns are uh, the best team in NBA <laughs> history evidently if they continue, uh, especially if they continue their undefeated streak tonight well, that's fair. Uh, the Bubble Suns are some, I guess they're like the full team version of Angry Playoff Rondo. Yeah. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I, I think most people would universally agree the Blazers are the biggest threat. You and I joked about it earlier on in the show. I think they're being overstated as a threat oh, at this yeah. point. Like, you know, again, th this whole audio segment, at the risk of this all getting clipped as like an old takes exposed thing from Portland bloggers as, oh, at HM Fagan said this before the playoff. Like, look, like, are we really that intimidated of a team that is having to, like, fight for its life to make the eight seed? Like, that doesn't have anyone to guard LeBron that is led by Ramon Sessions with a luckier jumper? Like, I mean. <laughs> okay, you, you really went wild there at the end. Um, yeah, I, I, every, I, ha, I think I had everyone. Everyone was nodding along and then started screaming at the last part. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's such a weird – Dame is absolutely incredible. I'm not going to call him Raymond Sessions with a uh, To be – in all seriousness, neither am I. Dame is obviously, like, re really good. Uh, you know, I think that he has shown how special he is, especially this year, both from, like, a mentality of, like, rallying his team and keeping them engaged for this and just from, you know, a scoring and playmaking and making his teammates better. Like, he, he, his resume is basically unimpeachable at this point. He's really special. However, I agree with you on all that. He had to score 61 for them to beat the Mavs by three. He had to score 51 for them to beat the Sixers by three. He had to score 45 for them to pull away late against Denver. Like, everybody's talking about the wild scoring run he's on, which is true, but they're still barely winning these games. Um, Lillard time, Jacob. They're unstoppable in the clutch. Lillard time. Listen. He did the, the watch point thing. The point, yeah, and his – put some respect on my name thing I thought was corny as hell basically it was um, it was very funny that he looked directly at the camera and did it yeah 
Like, yeah. but everybody is respecting you. I don't know what you're Yeah, doing. like, I don't know who is not respect. I mean, maybe he really is like that fueled by my tweets and my dis- my constant. <laughs> like at this point, it's become a bit. Like I honestly, like I know how the good Dame is. I just think that it's funny that I am now associated as like the biggest Dame hater on the planet. Um, and so like, I, you know, do I lean into it sometimes? Absolutely. Will I post a Photoshop picture of Rondo with Dame in his lap as his, like, as his son if the Lakers win in the first round? 100%. But like, you know, Dame is really good. I know Pete is going the extra step of calling him Mr. Lillard for the entire, uh, you know, possible playoff run. But <laughs> like, he may not even make it to, like, can we, can we let them make the eight seed before we start talking about them upsetting the Lakers? Like, that's all I ask. And even at that point, it's like you said, they had to claw and scratch their way in. They narrowly lost to the Clippers, who the Lakers did beat when they actually tried this year. And, like, are we really all of the mind that the version of LeBron we saw in this seeding round, like, is the one that we're going to – like, how stupid are we and how short are our memories that every single time – like we, you know, how many years in a row have we watched LeBron play completely listless and unmotivated basketball down the stretch of the regular season and then just destroy some poor team in the first round, you know, whenever he decides to wake up for it? Like, you know, and the Blazers, they literally do not, like, look at their roster. They do not have anyone that can, like, even credibly yeah. guard him in any way. Like, that was going to be my next point is I pulled up their starting lineup from that Mavericks game, which is their most recent game when we're recording this. Uh, Mello would be the one that would have to guard LeBron. Yeah, I saw somebody post the the photo of uh, like the guy crying as he points a gun at someone. And it's like <laughs> with the caption, like LeBron, when he has to end Mello's redemption tour. And I, I think that basically is going to be LeBron if Mello is in the he's going to he's going to be texting him like, bro, can you ask like Terry if you cannot start? I really don't want to do this to you, man. Yeah, I mean, they have they see a eight. single tear going down his cheek <laughs> as he dunks on him. Like it's yeah, exactly. It's uh they played eight guys in this Mavericks game and one of Mello, Zach Collins, Gary Trent Jr. or Hazonia are going to have to guard LeBron. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. And that that's, I mean, Hey, Hazonia blocked LeBron at the buzzer once last year and initiated the washed King bit. So I was going to say, I think that's where Anthony's he looks washed tweet came from. That that is where it came from. Yeah, which I mean, in the moment, fair. Look at the but, moment, yeah. Yeah, but I it would be some kind of hilarious, like I don't want to call it redemption, but like irony, I guess, if he just eviscerates Hazonia for four. Yeah, games. redemption. Amid the many people who are questioning whether or not <laughs> LeBron was better than Mario Hazonia will finally be silenced. I mean, he would call it redemption, but <laughs> yeah. The rest of us would just laugh as he roasted his own. But I mean, yeah, his like my... 80 word long hashtags, <laughs> like nobody believed I could do this. F you, Hazonia, no longer washed king. Yeah, and that's all one hashtag. Yeah. Um, that's always been my, I mean, it was the same thing during the regular season they had nobody to match up with Anthony Davis and he just roasted them every game. I remember that first game. He like, he literally looked like he was playing against children. Like I know they have Nurkic back now, but uh, like, and they have Zach Collins and you know, whatever, but like, I just do not like, I know the Lakers have no one to guard Dame. They don't really have anyone to guard CJ. Like this is going to be a shootout for sure. Like, but I think I have more faith the, the third best defense in the league for all season and one of the better ones in the bubble, even despite their struggles, can turn it around and figure out something to slow those guys down. Like, I think too much is being made of the Lakers can't stop quick guards and stuff like that. Like, yes, that was a struggle for them, even when Bradley was in the lineup. But 
like they have enough guys that they can force those guys into tough shots. They can communicate, get rebounds, stop possessions, whatever. Like, and I have more faith in them figuring out a defensive solution to somewhat deal with the Blazers than I do in the Blazers figuring out some kind of solution to slow down uh, the Lakers, other than hoping they continue to miss threes. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers have some personnel that can make things difficult, as you said, to at least slow them down. Nobody is slowing down LeBron on that line, or in that uh, that rotation, and Nurkic is about the only guy who could do any kind of slowing down of AD, and that's about it. Yeah, it's going to be – all I'm saying is it's going to be funny when uh, this podcast, like, is the last one before we have our next one and, like, the plan's already uh, – like, let, the plan gets decided after this and, like, like, let's say Portland loses tonight and they don't even make it. Like, that will be funny and make this rant even funnier. But anyway, I, I just think too much is being made of the Blazers at this point. I, I respect them. I think they're they're one of the stories of the bubble. Dame is incredible. But I, I just – let's chill on the they're going to upset the Lakers talk. And I think okay. Lakers fans probably needed to hear two people just acknowledge that at this point because of how widespread and like chic it's become to like talk up the Blazers as if they're the 73 win Warriors or something like that. Objectively, the most hilarious outcome is the Blazers not even making the playoffs after all these talking heads. Have said. That would be so funny. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing I'm rooting for harder than that. Oh, I'm rooting really hard for the Spurs. Because I think the Lakers would obliterate them. but Yeah. I mean, no, as Lakers fans, like, people should be rooting for the Spurs or the Grizzlies to make it in. Like, the Suns, you know, I think the Lakers would handle them easily, but they're really hot right now. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, I, have, I would say the Spurs and Grizzlies are probably lesser threats than that. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, this has been the longest post-game show I think we have done in SSR history. Uh, so we are going to wrap it up. Jacob, uh, do you have anything coming that you want to plug before we uh, get out of here? No. Good Lord. I'm finally done covering the Pelicans after tonight. So good Lord. Thank you. Oh, again, that. another team that was, you know, really looking to maybe upset the Lakers in the first round. Zion's coming. Really dangerous. You, you know. talked about how this game today, the, the Kings game was – boring on Tuesday the Pelicans played the Kings neither both of them were eliminated from the playoffs and neither of them could improve their draft stock so literally the most meaningless game in NBA history yeah no I mean that's that's what this these circumstances led to some weird games down the stretch just like the regular season does in different ways but anyway uh, I am Harrison Fagan that was Jacob Rude Jacob thank you for joining me and this has been another episode of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast we will have another one for you Monday and you know by then we may know a little bit more about the plan or the results of that so you know stay tuned to silverscreenroll.com all weekend for all your coverage of that and subscribe to our show on iTunes Spotify wherever podcasts are found and we will talk to you next time.